anecdotes for success. Level up with truth, meaning, trade-offs, perspective. All right, we have Coach Raj Matani on tonight. And Raj, let's just start off by telling the viewers about yourself. I'm not even going to do an introduction. Let's, let's, let's hear it right from you. Appreciate you, Paul and Matt, for having me on. Happy to be here. Yeah, so I'll talk to you a bit about my story. Right now, I am an online fitness coach, and I do most of my client acquisition on Twitter. That's actually where we met. Super grateful for that platform. So, yeah, let's, talk, let's go back to 16, when I was 16, when I first started lifting. So I started lifting because, one, I was just an extremely skinny kid and just wanted to pack, get, uh, get bigger. Um, and two, I needed to start lifting for tennis because I actually played college tennis for four years and like I was struggling getting power in my shots. So I needed to just bulk up. And then obviously the first few years, I had no idea what I was doing, but I sort of learned by um, surrounding myself with people in like with similar passions for fitness as me, you know, talking to coaches, doing my own research. And slowly I got the hang of it and learned a thing or two. And the funny thing is, I was um, like around 16, 17, I've been lifting for six months and then we're doing a drill on court and my coach tells me like, yo, you really need to start lifting because I wasn't getting enough power on my shots and I was like, damn, I've been lifting <laughs> for six months. So that sort of like lit a fire under me and I sort of took it like more seriously up the intensity. And then like a couple of years later, I actually like started to make some decent progress, learned a thing or two and really started you know, it wasn't like a chore for me to be consistent. I like genuinely love training. And then people started, my friends started to notice and they were like, started to ask me like, yo, like, um, how do you, you know, lose fat? How do you build muscle? And I would always enjoy, you know, helping them out, giving them tips. It never felt like a chore. It was just something I love doing, love talking about. And then fast forward to COVID, when COVID first hit, this was in the middle of our best season ever. Our team was like unreal. And we were about to go to California for spring break to play the top five teams in the division. And then like the morning of, we get a message from a coach saying like our trip's canceled. Because also California had like a lot of COVID cases early on. So it was tough. Like this was like at the very start in like March, 2020. So then everyone was sort of in a bad mood for a while. And the whole team was just really pissed off. And the one thing that kept me like going, kept me like, looking forward to was lifting. I'd always, I'd still lift pretty much six times a week. And I'd always enjoy that, whether it's COVID, because we had some barbells and some weights in our house, right? So it was okay, even though gyms were closed. And then more of my friends were like, damn, like, yo, you need to help me out. You know, there's COVID, we can't play uh, tennis. At least let me, I'm going to try to get jacked, try to build some muscle, try to lose fat, so help me out. And I, like, like I said, I love doing that. I'd write them programs for free. It, I just love talking about that. And I felt like I had a really good grasp of the like principles of like fitness, right? I was able to break it down in ways that was understandable for them and digestible. So they actually saw really good results. And I also helped my brother, who's almost 14, make an insane transformation. He gained like 10, 15 pounds of straight muscle in six months. And obviously he was extremely consistent, had a great work ethic, but the way I broke it down to him, like he really got. So I like came home for a summer and he was doing one of those YouTube circuit videos with my mom's two, two kilo weights. And he was just doing the same thing like every day for two months. And he comes to me, he's like, bro, like I'm not gaining any muscle. I look the exact same, like what, what's going on? I was like, yeah, dude, you're doing the exact same 15 minute workout every single day with the exact same weights. Obviously you're not giving your body any reason to change. And he was like, hmm, that makes sense, right? And he's 13. So I can like explain to a 13 year old, I was like, okay, maybe like this is like working. So then I sort of just, uh, we got some weights, heavier weights, not my mom's two kilo dumbbells. And then we sort of like, what I did was I gave him like a testing day. So I tested his like core strength. And then every day I'd be like, yo, like let's add a couple of reps. And then every few days we added uh, five pounds. And he loved this concept of like progression. And he like saw insane results. And his diet was on point because I was literally just cooking for me and making, cooking two meals. But his meal was like 10% less like volume. So he was having super high protein diet and like he was probably having two grams per pound of body weight. So he had great success. And it was at this point where I realized like I loved fitness, loved training, and I also loved coaching. And it was like 
I love doing it and I was good at it. That was the main thing. And also it was what the world needs. Like you always see like these BS, like fitness influencers on Instagram, like selling you fit tea, like, yo, drink this fit tea, you'll get like shredded abs. And they never even drank that fit tea. And it's just like all a marketing scheme. And it's like, and they don't really know what they're talking about. So it's like, once I found the thing that I was good at, enjoyed doing and the world needed, that's around the time where I found fitness Twitter. And since then I never looked back. So let me talk about a little bit of how I got to now from the start of fitness Twitter. So at the start, I knew like I wanted to build a brand on Twitter and for long-term, right? I saw a real potential in the platform. So what I did was I spent the first three months training people for free and um, releasing uh, free eBooks, promoting that, promoting my email list, produce, producing content every day. And this was during the senior spring semester of college. And then when I did that, I sort of got some traction, used the before and after pictures and like as testimonials to get like my first client, my second client, and then sort of snowball since there. Well, uh, I, I've seen the YouTube video you've put out with all your uh, clients before and afters. And if there's, if there's something you need in the fitness world, it's definitely testimonials from other people. Uh, but you said something earlier that really uh, hit home to me. You, you, you were toying around with this, you're helping people, and then you realized it's what the world needs and it's what you love doing. I mean, that's a perfect fit, isn't it? Yeah, and also like what I'm good at. If, I feel like if you find the whole, that's like the holy trifecta. If you find those three things, just like go in for like years and they'll pay off. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't help but notice as well the, the thing that stood out most to me was, was and this is something I have conversations with people all the time and, and I agree with what you're saying to be in the trifecta in terms of the meaning you gather from it and some of those things but I think the most important one is honestly something the world needs and there's far too many people who are trying to bulldoze their way into a into a marketplace or into a business when nobody cares you know and, and it's 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 not because it's a bad idea necessarily it's just maybe not the right idea for the time or or, you know, there's a, a, a number of variables that could play into it. But one of the things that I, I – and, Paul, you just mentioned it too, which was which was great. You know, I, I think that I've heard it a million times. I really like this, and I'm really good at it. What they're missing is, like you said, the trifecta one there. Does anyone care, right? <laughs> and, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful you found that, and, uh, but it's also wonderful you recognize – you found that in just in my many conversations, I see that as a, a missing component. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really neat. I, you know, I'm glad we all thought it was worth bringing up again, because guess what? It's worth bringing up again. So um, pretty, pretty, pretty cool, but super important. Raj, so you're, you're 22 years old, college graduate. And you, you, you're, you're branding yourself and having a, a good start to a successful coaching fitness business. Must be nice to just have always succeeded in business, correct? I mean, you, you have, I'm, set, I'm setting you up a little here. I know you've yeah. always had an entrepreneurial spirit for a while, but you're only 22. And, and tell us about the four failed businesses you've had already. Yeah, so we were talking about earlier. So I actually failed in four separate businesses before. And like, some of them like failed like miserably like super early too and this is funny so my first one was with my cousin we were trying to find like we we're trying to make a bracelet brand and like the classic mistake here was like over planning on and under executing so like did all this plan like and the good thing about from all these failures i kind of took a lesson from each of it without losing like optimism and enthusiasm that someday you know i'll make something work because i always knew like i don't want to like work just a nine to five for the rest of my life, like do the regular stuff. And I didn't like taking orders from people and I didn't want to do the same thing every day. So I knew this, I knew it was going to work out eventually. So my first failed business was we, we tried to make a bracelet company, me and my cousin. We like caught, caught up in like the logo, the brand name, the business plan, like without actually executing. And then by the time it came down to find a manufacturer, manufacturer, all the manufacturers were only able to make like really low quality bracelets. And I was just like, nah, I'm not trying to do this. If it, it's not going to be high quality. Right. And we just scrapped it and like wasted like a month doing nothing pretty much. 
And then the <laughs> second one was like right before COVID, me and my teammate try to do like um, make a college recruiting app where it's like connects every college tennis coach with college tennis players. And it's like a Facebook or Facebook for college players and college coaches to see. And then our first step, we like made the plan, everything. And then our first step was like trying to email every single college coach and ask them if they would like fill out a survey. So we made the document and then this is crazy. I don't know how or why this happened, but I was home and like, I could not get the emails of like any college coaches. It was weird. So it was just like a technical glitch. I tried for a week and I was like, damn. And then it just sort of faded away. And then my third one, was some sort of like private label copywriting Instagram agency where I like bought a course. It was like, it was BS and it just didn't really work. Like I tried, like I like finished the course, like branded myself really well and just no success. Cause like everyone was doing it, right? And it was hard to differentiate myself. And the people who actually had success with the course had like 30K followers, right? So then I actually, I actually got a refund for the course. So that's all, that's not too bad. <laughs> it as you, like, made like, you made yeah. money you made money exactly but um and then the fourth one was affiliate marketing on twitter so this was actually when i first came to twitter because i met someone in the private labeling on instagram and he was like yo come to twitter for affiliate marketing i did that for two months and i made a total of one sale and then i went this was in the summer of 2020 when i first started my twitter account two months made one sale post every day and I was like, I didn't really like it. Like I was like tweeting some BS platitudes and stuff about affiliate marketing that I didn't actually care about. And I was like, okay, sure. There's a need for it, but like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get defeated by every other affiliate marketer who actually cares about it and loves it. Right. And I just did it. I was just doing it because I liked the idea of like online income. Right. So then I went back to school and I like, I went from posting like every day doing all this stuff to doing like 50% of that for like two weeks. And then I just like completely stopped. And then I just took a break from Twitter. Then I discovered like, yo, maybe I should come back, but instead do like a fitness Twitter. And then that's when I found fitness Twitter. That's awesome. So it, it, it kind of led you to it. Really? Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, it's marketing for sure. There's a lot. There's a lot there, yeah, in, in terms of, you know, what you learned and you already hit on it, you know, you learn something from every every failure and, and uh, that's, I, I hate to say it, but that's normal. And, and again, this is why I feel these conversations are so valuable. It's, there's so many people out there who have no idea that people who've succeeded in, in their own businesses, built their own businesses, whatever they may be, that there's this whole, you know, scrapyard of ideas and, and failures left in their wake. And that's, that's the norm. That's not the exception. I mean, the exception is the person who nails it right away. And, and frankly, I don't know any of those people. Um, I don't, I only know the people who did a, what you're doing, which is trying new things and learning from every single one of them. Now, were, were you, I mean, you, you talked about your, your interests and, in, and in what you were interested in, um, and not interested in, not interested in working a nine to five, not interested in doing the same thing day after day after day, um, which I think is common for a lot of people that you don't want to just do that. Right. I mean, that's not a lot of fun for a lot of people. And, and um, w when did you realize that? Was it when you were a kid? Was it when you were in college? What, what, at what point did that kind of click for you? I sort of hated authority my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it really clicked when I had internships because I actually had three internships and they were all like great internships, right? Like on paper, like good companies, like great work, um, work-life balance, good atmosphere, like good culture. My favorite one was HubSpot. I don't know if you guys know HubSpot. So it's like, a it's like a tech company and like those tech companies are super cool. Like they got ping pong tables, like beer garden, beer on tap, like, uh, like all this cool stuff. Um, free kitchen, kitchen with like all these cool snacks and like everyone's so nice. And even though like those internships were great and everything, I still realized like, hmm, it still isn't really what I want to do. I can't see myself doing that sort of thing for 30, 40 years and then retiring when I'm 65. Like I just could not see myself doing it. And the way that I actually like was able to, I don't want to toot my own horn, 
I was able to like perform pretty well in like school and um, like my internships without me necessarily doing the most effort. I was like, hmm, like this is like not challenging enough. You know what I mean? So it's like I wanted something. Like people always say, like like entrepreneurship is super challenging. Like every day there's a new struggle. Like don't like don't go into it if you're like gonna quit after one you know challenge, one hiccup. So I kind of like that aspect where it's like it's all on you. It's super challenging. Like there's new problems to solve every day, and it's it's unpredictable in a sense. Kind of like tennis. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, <laughs> tennis prepared me extremely well for entrepreneurship because I played other sports as well, but not like seriously like tennis. And it's like a it's a one on one sport, right? You can't yep. blame on anyone else. You can't be like, ah, oh, John missed that game winning three. He sucks. You can't yep. be like, oh, like they they double teamed me the whole game. You know what I mean? So it's like. You lose, you lose, right? And the thing is, the way tournaments work is there's only one winner out of, like, 64 dudes. So you pretty much play a tournament every week. There's 95% chance you lose that week. So it's like you get you get good at dealing with failure when you like, tennis players. And it's like a lot of tennis players are, like, obviously they get pissed and like, throw their racket. And I was that guy when I was, like, 14, 15. Like, lose a, lose a big point, smash my racket, like, get super mad. But then I came into college and I did that stuff for, like, the first two weeks of um, my freshman fall and my coach like sat me out for practice. And I was like, I am done. So I like made a 180 from like being like crybaby on court to like super competitive, like super disciplined, like, like getting pumped, not letting my, like getting, gaining control of my emotions. And that's sort of like what helped me improve my game like the most. So it sort of like taught me how to deal with my emotions better. Yeah. I, I deliberately pointed out the tennis uh, comparison because it is an individual sport. There is no one else to blame. You are in your own head uh, a lot, right? I mean, there's there's nowhere else to go. It's you. Um, it's competitive, and, and all the all the other things you pointed out. You know, one of the things that 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 I want to point out though that is different and different in a good way. And you you were mentioning how the tournaments. You know, ninety five percent chance you're going to lose. You get good at losing. You get you get good at failure, which is a very good thing for an entrepreneur to understand. But one of the things that is different is tennis. Like virtually all sports, is a zero sum game. Right? There's one winner that weekend. Right? But the nice thing about business or entrepreneurship is when I win, nobody else loses. In fact, if I really win, I win, my employees win, my customers win, and my competitors, they don't even necessarily lose. I mean, yeah, we're fighting for market share and there's there's things in there, but like I can exist in a very successful environment and so can my competitor, right? So I really – I and I'm a competitive person and I, I love athletics and, and that's a big part of my background as well. But one of the things that I learned in entrepreneurship that I like to verbalize is it's not zero sum. Um, you can, everyone can win in it. Frankly, I like to see my competitors successful. I, 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 I don't feel any threat from that. Whereas if I'm on a tennis court, I sure as heck do. Cause if they win, I lose. There's, no, there's just no ifs, ands or buts, but it's one thing I wanted to point out because it's such a great way to get to build your entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, uh, being competitive and learning how to lose and learning how to, 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 to take responsibility and know that it was on me, not on John, like you said, or, or whoever. But when you get out into it, another thing that you're, you've probably learned or are learning is there's going to be other people who are going to compete in your marketplace and they don't have to go bankrupt for you to succeed, right? You can, you can, you can all win to some degree uh, at the same time, and that's just a nice. It's a nice. It's I don't say it a nice thing as in oh, it's really nice, and I'm a nice guy, and it's nice. I mean, it's nice that I don't have to focus on tearing my competitor's business down for me to succeed. I focused on making sure that my employees and my customers are happy, and if I do that. I'm, I'm going to succeed. Exactly. And I think that's such a great point. Just like how it translates into business, like an individual sport dealing with failure. But the one thing that's different, like you said, is like you're not necessarily competing against your competitors. You, like that's not your goal to beat your competitors. Your goal yeah. is to you know, best serve your customers. So I feel like that's especially true in the fitness niche. Because like think about it. 
there's what 70 billion people in the world i i can't tell you one person who doesn't want to get fitter right so the market's ginormous right right everyone has a fitness goal pretty much so it's like there's enough for everyone to eat it's like having that abundance mindset i feel like is so key in business because if you because the thing is your competitors are bound to succeed right there's gonna be someone who's doing better than you someone who's who started lower and then like overlaps you per se and if you let that like get to your head like oh shit he's winning so i'm losing then you're just bound to fail but if you see that as okay he's winning like what can i take from that like how do i win too and i try to learn from people's wins that's like the right mindset to have and like even in the fitness industry right like like the market's huge so it's very easy to have this mindset and a lot of times when like you surround yourself like especially to grow on twitter you need to surround yourself with like like-minded individuals similar audience size whatever like who are you know share your same vibe and then like you build these groups and you help each other grow and then when once someone in your group grows lands a couple clients that's like a good indicator that you're going in the right direction because you're surrounding yourself with people who are growing i was just yeah. gonna ask that in the twitter world there's really no competition you i know you're engaging with like-minded fitness gurus and helping each other or getting a lot of help from them I mean, I just know that's the way Twitter works, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I have like a few groups where it's like, yeah, we like share each other's content, but a lot of times we're like discussing strategy and like trying to hop on like a space together, like hop on Zoom calls and just try to figure out like how to help each other grow. We talk about like what types of content performs better and we just always try to help each other out. And like, I'm in like a couple groups actually, not just one. And it's like one, like just like sh sharing our stuff helping each other grow, but also like discussing like what works and what doesn't. I, I've got a, a question for you that based on the, the how you're speaking, what I run across with a lot of people, younger people, and I would put you in that category, whether, whether you like it or not, that's because you're younger than me. So um, um, I get, a, I see a lot of people and not just younger people, but this idea that business is all about greed and it's all about taking and it's it's all these it's got a lot not a, a lot of negative connotations which which as a business person I I'm not offended by it frankly because it doesn't I'm not in, I'm, I'm not interested in that I'm interested in running my businesses and I know better but I hear it so often um, and I and I see it out there um, discussed in that sense and you seem to have the opposite point of view with some of the things you've been saying you're interested in taking care of your employees how how can i i'm sorry your customers how can i better serve my customers how do i take care of my customers did you always have that attitude or have you developed that attitude as a as a business person where'd that come from uh honestly i don't think i ever like that sort of something was always with me and i think the reason like people like are sort of they have that mindset of like, oh, money is the root of all evil. I think it stems from envy. So it's like you see like people who are like billionaires, millionaires, and people don't like that because other people don't like to see people succeed. That's just a fact, right? And they just like to come up with reasons to make themselves feel good. So they're like, oh, Bill Gates or like uh, Elon Musk, they're so unethical. Like they do this, they do that. And I never had that mindset. I always respected like people who were like billionaires, millionaires who are like, you know, making it like making a difference in the world and i always had this like perception that okay you get paid based on your value so like look at jeff bezos right he's a multi-billionaire because he changed the world like he was able to like create amazon and made it convenient for everyone and i always had that okay like someone who cleans dishes like you that's a very low value skill right any single person with two hands can clean a dish but how many people can build amazon so i always associated like competition with value that's how that's why i never really got jealous of people who were more successful than me and i saw it as like okay i just got to get my value up and like i always knew that it wasn't just going to happen in a week in a month but it's like a process like jeff bezos didn't become jeff bezos because he watched one youtube video and then built amazon right that's an unbelievably excellent answer in, in my opinion and, and and i agree with every word you said i i've I have absolutely nothing to add to that. That is that is that is spot on as far as I'm concerned, and very honest and and uh, and thoughtful in in the sense that you've obviously thought about it. So uh, I I appreciate that answer. I'm very impressed with it. That was uh, that was excellent. Um, I'm glad I asked the question. I'm going to give myself the credit. What a great question I asked, Paul. 
Good question. Go ahead, try to ask a better one than that, Paul, or get a better answer, I should say. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I, right right now, I feel like I don't even belong with you two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it anyways with a question. Uh, Raj, tell us, uh, family and friends, what kind of support and encouragement have you had from your family and friends, or what do they think when you say, "Hey, I'm gonna do it, do it my way. I'm not gonna take the standard job and and succeed." Um. So when I first my three the first business with my cousin, I was like 16, 17, like, or 15. My parents knew about that from the get-go. And they were like, yeah, you know, go for it, blah, blah, blah. But, and then the next three, they had no idea, actually. I still don't think they know. Or like, none of my friends know, right? And then my fourth business, I only started telling my parents, like, four months in. When I was already making, like, when I already had, like, four clients, right? And... I told them this just because I had my mindset's always been like show, not tell. Because like nowadays you see everyone like, yo, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Like, um, and it's like, bro, show me the results. Don't just say that. So what I like, I worked in complete silence for three, four months until I had like, I think 1,200 followers on Twitter and four clients. And then it was at the time where I, well, this was at the time like February, March, senior year. Uh, senior spring and my parents were like yo you need to get a job like you need to apply for your OPT visa and then this was they've been doing it for a month and I was like I was working on like my fitness stuff and I was debating whether because my original goal was to get a nine to five after college and then work on the fitness on the side but it honestly took off faster than I expected so I, I pet, pushed that condo back pushed it back and then I was like yo give me a week and I'll tell you what I'm gonna do and it doesn't require a visa and it's like you're gonna be shocked and then I came up with like this whole presentation where I set my, I told them how I've like, what my whole plan up till now, like how I went from zero to four clients, my year end goals, like revenue, like my email list, followers, like uh, client conversations, client results, showed them all of that, showed them my five year goals, made it in a presentation. And they were like shocked because they had no idea I was doing this, right? I was doing this while being a student athlete. And then they were super surprised. They're like, yo, this is like cool and everything. Like, we'll talk about it later, right? They talked to my uncle and they're like, he was like supportive. And they're like, yeah, go for it, right? So it's like, I have my parents like blessing to sort of like pursue this entrepreneurial mindset, like entrepreneurial route per se. But it's like, I pretty much do all this stuff like without the help or like without talking to my family or friends about it. Just because I feel like, no one, none of my family or friends really understands like this side of it. And like, they don't understand like the, the things I like do. They just think it's like, oh, you post a couple of shirtless pics with some content and you get a couple of followers and you might get a client, right? It's, that's not how it works at all. It's very intentional. It's like, there's market research. There's like DM sequences. Like there's all these systems and it's like, no one really gets that. The lonely, like, it can be a lonely yeah. love. Of course, of course. I think mean, that's the great thing about Twitter. It's like, I don't really need like, it's, it's cool if my friends don't get it. Like, I have, like, Twitter friends, I have business friends, and then I have friends who I just, like, want to chill with. I actually have one friend who, like, we're actually very close, and he does, like, e-commerce, like, and he's succeeding in that as well. And he started very similar, like, started from nothing, failed a few times, and now starting to get it. And we he also, like, trains a lot. So we lift, like, five, six times a week together. And, like, we have a lot in common. But all my other friends, were like, we have other stuff in common. Like, we share yeah. same interests, play tennis, do that but we don't really share that entrepreneurial mindset but i'm like totally fine with that i don't expect all my friends to 100 get it they do like give me props every couple months like yo like keep it up but like i didn't tell like i kept my twitter stuff very quiet even like right now i'd say like i don't use Inst like just to give you an example i don't use instagram anymore like very un inactive on it i'm pretty much only on twitter and i have 700 followers on instagram like and i like only accept people who i know and out of those, I would say 10 to 15 people know I'm even doing like fitness coaching. Wow. So, so that brings me to a question that how, how are you going to scale this business? I, 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 I'm sure you have thought about it. So how do you scale a business like this? Okay. So I actually worked with Jack and Gabe and they have been doing it for three years. They actually both dropped out of college. They're 21, both of them, and I'm 22. And they're, like, very successful. So they reached out to me, and, like, we just sort of clicked because we're all, like, young, entrepreneurial-minded, have similar content. So it's, we've been partners for a few months now. 
and I would scale basically by, you know, continuing to grow my brand, right? But when I get to a certain point where it's like I'm coaching too many clients, I would actually outsource the coaching mm. because there's already systems in place. So I would do the client acquisition, outsource my coaching, do like weekly check-ins with the people I outsource my coaching to, still check up on my clients, but they would do the bulk of the coaching, like daily check-ins and stuff. And that's like my first sign of like, okay, now I can venture out into other businesses. So my year-end goal, it used to be 10K a month, but I made the switch recently to 12 new clients a month. Because instead of like focusing on the like a monetary value of it, I'm focused on how many new clients I can get a month. So once like around like early next year, I want to start outsourcing my coaching and work on two, my next two businesses are like things that I'm super passionate about. Like I'm so passionate about coaching, but that's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's like the first step I need to take. And one, to build my brand and two, to like start helping people. And so the next two things that I want to do, both before I'm 25, um, so within the next three years, I want them to be like solid. One's open up a gym. And it's, this is a funny story because I've been like kicked out of several gyms, like my, my school gym, <laughs> just because like I bring my own like speaker. Like I'm like, me and my friends are like loud. I don't want the mask and everything. So they hate that. So, like, <laughs> like, you got to go and everything. Oh, and I actually booked it. I got an email. This is hilarious. I booked uh, my school gym. You're only allowed to book an hour at a time. And I booked three hours at a time. And then I brought my own speaker in. And I wasn't wearing the mask. So they like <laughs> me there. <laughs> yeah. And then so I want to start my own gym. One, for like filming content. It's just cool. And two, I want to like bring my vibe, do it my way, right? So I want my gym to be half outdoors, half indoors. You can get that outdoor vibe when you want. Indoor vibe when it's raining. And I want it to be like, like really awesome music like uncensored obviously like type of music i like blasting like i want posters of arnold on the wall like i want it to be like a super like hardcore vibe not just a gym you not it's the opposite of planet fitness you know mm. the opposite of gym where they give you pizzas on friday and say you cannot grunt you know i want it to be like if you <laughs> love to lift you come to my gym and it's a good time that's the gym i want and the good thing is i'll have like a network of fitness influencers who can want train at the gym and promote it. And I, I feel like the business mindset, I've already like done my research about it. And I know people who are gym owners, so I'll be good. That I already like tweeted like a few months ago. I said, I will open a gym before I'm 25 and I bookmarked it. So I have accountability. So that's my, that's one of my main goals, like after coaching. And the second is starting a protein chip brand. So there's these things called Quest chips, which are protein chips. They like taste like an eight out of 10. If Doritos are a 10 out of 10. And Which, they, I know, right? Amazing. <laughs> and then they basically have amazing macros. So it's straight protein, low calorie. And I ate these a lot on my cut, like the last few weeks of my diet, like a few months ago. And I think it's awesome because it's like a lot of, it would help a lot of people with like cravings and like sticking to their, to their diet. And it, cause it doesn't even, it tastes pretty decent. So it's like, <clears throat> imagine if you're able to eat chips and get lean and like enjoy doing that. And it fills you up. So it's something that I feel like there's a huge need for. I'd be able to market it like very effectively with my brand. And I would, I would love, you know, making a difference in people's lives, making it easier for them to diet. And obviously I won't, I'm not just going to rip off Quest. I'll do like my own twist on it, maybe like a hot Cheetos version. That'd be cool. But I just want to make some sort of chip where it's like super good macros, high protein, low calorie. And those are my next two like big ventures after coaching that I want to uh, move on towards. Okay. So at the end of the day, to my question how are you going to scale it it's basically to build your brand and then use that brand to create new business off of because when you have a brand and this is important for people to understand then it's not it doesn't need you individual you don't have to handle every client any longer right because it's a brand that's that that's that matters so that that makes a lot of sense to me that's that that's pretty cool yeah, I mean, I would still, like, be working with clients. I'm not just going to – I'm just not going to do, like, a daily check-ins. Like, I might, like – I'll still do calls with them, like, once every couple weeks or whatever when they need it. I'll still make sure that my – the guy who's handling, like, the outsourcing is, like, doing a good job, put the systems in place, like, work with him. But I'm not going to be spending, like, an hour and a half, two hours every single day for all my clients because that's what well, I currently – You can't. You can't. I mean, it's just a, the f fact of the, the business, and, and you can't scale it otherwise. Otherwise, you're either going to work 24 hours a day and you're still going to have a, a ceiling on how much you can earn unless you yeah. keep, keep raising rates. 
uh, which is possible because some people do. But it, now you're now you're trading your time for money. And exactly. the last thing you want to do in a business, if you can help it, is trade your time for money. You want to do what we t- you mentioned earlier. You want to trade value, right? You want to trade value for money. And therefore, if you the more value you provide, doesn't matter how much time you put in. It's all about value, 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 value. And then people are trading their their income. They're provi- they're finding out that what you provide in value is worth more than the money in their pocket. They're making that trade, and it doesn't matter how much time you have in it. Now you just need systems and people to operate those systems. And that sounds like what you have in mind, which is, you know, I, I don't have to tell you this. Obviously, you're, you're so far ahead of the game, but I like to point some of this stuff out to people who do listen, who understand what what exactly is is happening here or what you're trying to make happen. So um, it's it's neat that you've thought this out as much as you have. That you, I love the idea that you have goals, you bookmark it you're going to be accountable to yourself, right? Boom. I, I, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to hit this goal. And if I don't, it's going to be on me and it's going to show up and I'm going to be the one who has to look myself in the mirror, right? Yeah. And I feel like there, you touched on some great things. I want to just talk about the goal setting and accountability aspect and then like the time is money thing real quick. So in terms of like goal setting, a lot of times people, they don't set specific goals like and with a deadline because they don't want to be kept accountable. They don't want to have that chance of failing, feeling bad. But the thing is, it's okay to fail. Like I fail like 80% of my goals. <clears throat> like, and it's cool because the thing is like I could, whenever I'm debating, it's the same thing in like when I'm lifting weights. If I'm debating whether like use the 100-pound dumbbells or 110-pound dumbbells, I'll go with 110. If I'm debating whether to set a goal of nine clients this month or 12 clients this month, I'll go with 12. So always choose a harder goal, make sure it's actionable, measurable, and like there's a deadline. So one, that deadline creates urgency. And it's like, even if you fail that goal, it's all good because you probably will have made progress. So like, let's say you say, I want to um, run a mile in eight minutes this this month, right? That's a very easy goal. Then you get in seven minutes, 58, you feel like, oh, I did a goal. But if you say, I want to run a mile in six minutes, now that's a lot harder. You could run a mile in six minutes and 30 and that's still so much better because you set a harder goal, you push yourself, and like failing a harder goal is 10 times better than succeeding a goal that you know you could have succeeded. So I feel like that's key, just one setting, like challenging goals, making them like time-bound, um, actionable, so you can keep accountable. And also you could tell it to like, I, you can do what I did, where like you post online, put it out there in the world, or you could just tell it to a couple of your friends, like, yo, this is my goal, like this is my plan, like watch me do it, and then give them updates. So that's like that X extra like external pressure it's like healthy Mm -hmm. because it just makes you want to get it even more and then in terms of like the time you want to you don't want to trade your time for money i think that's so key because the thing is like you said when you're trading your time for money like a nine to five there's a ceiling of how much you can make how much and you don't really get that dream work-life balance because the ideal life is to work two hours a day and make a ton of money right at the end of the day like people can say no that's just shallow but at the end of the day that's just true like you want to work for very little and make a lot of money and that is the definition of like high value in not trading your time for money but the important thing to understand for people listening is that doesn't happen like in a week at the start you're gonna have to put in a lot of hours build that brand but eventually when you do build a brand it's so priceless because it took you like two years to build and then you did it by showing up every single day being you so the people who you that brand you built it's not just about the number like how many followers you have it's about the quality so that the, those people they they appreciate you like no one else can be a better version of you so that's why brand is so priceless and you can leverage that brand in so many different ways once you've already built it but i feel like this first step for most people is just like getting clear on like what they want to get done in five three years and then starting with building a brand and starting on that first venture per se Raj, that, so that, basically, head, Paul. Basically, Go ahead. basically you're, you're talking about SMART goals, right? The acronym for uh, Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Relevant, and Timely Goals. Yeah. Yeah. And I keep thinking when, when you get back to scaling your business, have you ever thought about setting up a certification process? Maybe maybe you start coaching coaches to become Raj, Raj certified. <laughs> or, or, if you're, or if you're with Gabe and, and, and uh, Jack, uh, trifecta certified, you know, uh, and basically you have a system in place where you teach coaches how to do what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's a very good idea. I actually want to do something similar, like in a couple of years is like set up a mentorship program. 
where it's like okay. I show people like, yo, this is how I went from zero clients to like uh, automated coaching business in 16 months or how I did this from this. And then I, I'll build a full course and then do like weekly calls. And this would be obviously like a high ticket product. And for coaches who are like really serious, that's definitely something that I want to do. It's the reason I didn't bring it up is because that's not like my main two ventures that I'm super passionate about, but it's something I could definitely do and bring value to people. And obviously at the same time, like monetize it. Uh, one more thing I want to add, like the smart goals are super key, but also you want it to be fueled by a strong why. Because a lot of times people miss that. And like, you need to have a super strong why. And it can't just be like, I want to drive a nice car or I want to have money to flex on Instagram. Like that's stupid. You need a why that's like powerful enough so that it helps you persist through like months where like you're just struggling. It's like, like my first three months doing fitness, like two people would see my tweets. Like no one would buy, no one would even get my free ebook, right? <laughs> so, so what's your why my why is like it's super deep I wrote, I wrote it down but i'll just say it on the top of my head right so one there's the why of like helping as many people as i possibly can like transform their lives by starting with transforming their bodies because i've done it myself i know like if you transform your body like your whole life just changes right one from the aspect of you gain confidence you gain self-belief like once you achieve one difficult goal you can believe that you can achieve anything else so that's that internal, but also external, right? People are shallow. Like they, they see a jack dude or like a hot girl, they'll treat you so much better than if they see some fat dude over there. I mean, it's fair, right? You can make assumptions. Like you see a fat guy or like an obese person, you're like, oh, this guy probably doesn't have self-respect. You see a jack dude, you're like, dude, this guy's commitment, patience, discipline, and it's fair assumptions to make. So one, just getting in shape changes your life completely. So I want to have help as many people achieve that as possible in an industry where there's a lot of misinformation. So that's my key why. And two is just to live a life, like my dream life. I see the possibilities with online income to live a life where it's like, I can travel anywhere, provide a comfortable life for the people I love and for myself working hours only when I want to. And if I can do both of those things, like I'm living the dream and I can, I see the possibility. I see the vision like three years. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna just chase it. And, and you, you can't do that with a job, can you? Man, because one, you're like, you're just limited by time. Like, obviously, like people, a lot of people start out with a nine to five side hustle, then they quit their nine to five when their side hustle does well. Like, that's totally cool. But if that's, you're just doing a nine to five, like, there's no way to live, in my opinion. Paul. So it, it sounds like our four pillars, Matt. Truth, meaning, trade-off, and perspective. The, they're they're always scattered throughout everything because they just show up they just show up everywhere there's no getting around them at least i haven't found any way to get around them they're everywhere but you know the so much of what you're doing is is you know and, and i envy you honestly because of your your youth you figured it out so young and, and and you know i figured it out i guess relatively young but not as young as you and 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 the years, you know, you're 22. I was around 30 when I started to go, oh, the light bulb started to come on. I wish I'd had those eight years, but um, but I'm so glad I figured it out. And it's, it's, it's wonderful to talk to someone who's, you know, understands what, understands what you're trying to accomplish and understands how what you're trying to do is so it's difficult, but it's, a, you can, I, I have no doubt you're going to accomplish it. And what you're trying to get out there is ultimately is to provide value to as many people as possible so that you can have the freedom to live the life you want to live. And that's all I've tried to do. And that's all I think any entrepreneur worth their salt is trying to do. And um, if you don't provide the value, I don't care how greedy you might be and I don't care how selfish you might be. You still have to provide the value to people and being able to do that and then live a kind of life that, frankly, I don't think other people even recognize is available because they've been taught you go to college, you get or you go to high school, you go to college, whatever it happens to be, you get your grades, you go off and you work for the next 40 years. And then you hope, you know, maybe there's something left at the end and your hips haven't given out. You don't have, you know, you don't have dementia or you don't you know you haven't had a heart attack or any of these numerous other things that can completely throw your life into a tailspin and um you know you can do it at 25 you don't have to wait till you're 65 um and i love people who talk the way that you talk because it's 
it's it's inspiring is and it's true. It's, you, it's, I think it comes down to who you surround yourself with. So I was fortunate enough to you know play sports competitively, surround myself with competitive people. Then I had really good role models like Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, uh, professional athletes, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? And it's like, if you have good role models, play a sport, then you get into business and surround yourself with like-minded people, you see the endless possibilities. You see people doing what you want to do. And if you have a mindset where, okay, if they do it, I can do it. That builds this ridiculous belief. But if you surround yourself with people who truly only see the world one way, they only see the, you have to get a nine to five. You have to do this, work super hard, right? At your nine to five, retire at 65. If they, if you surround yourself with people who think that's the only way, like there's no reason for you to think differently. So it's like, for some people it's tough because that's like all they see and like they don't see the possibilities. They see someone who's killing it like an online income or what, or with their business. And their only, their only way they can like think that's possible is like, oh, it's just luck, right? Because every single person they see on a daily basis surround themselves like doesn't do that. But if you surround yourself with people who are either achieve the goals you want to achieve or at least have a goal-oriented mindset and are making progress from month to month to week to week, then you see it as like, okay, that's a norm. Because it really is like people say like who you surround yourself is like with is so important. And it really is because like your social groups dictate social norms. If, you're, if your four best friends are obese, you're going to be obese, man. Right? You, you're going to pick up a vegetable and say, I'm going to try to lose weight. And they're going to look at you like, what's wrong with you, man? Like eat this donut. Or if you're surrounded by four like, broke people smoking doing drugs all day you're gonna be the exact same right you're gonna be like yo i think i might want to open a roth ira they're gonna be like what, what the hell bro take this drug or like let's 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 blow some money on some dumb shit or you could be around four fit guys like jack dudes and then they're gonna inspire you to do the same like you're gonna get a donut and they're gonna be like yo are you sure you want to do that you know we got that workout you know in a week or in like in, a, in an hour so it's all about just surrounding yourself with people who are what you want to be like, or at least are chasing the same goals as you. I'm, I'm glad you said that. We, we haven't touched on that much in our podcast, but one of the things I'm fond of saying, and, and uh, mostly to, to younger people who are, who are impressionable, is you are the people you surround yourself with. So whoever you're, just what you said, whatever, whoever you're surrounding yourself with, that's who you are. And that goes beyond just your physical presence with people. Like you said, uh, you, you mentioned Gary Vee and you mentioned Joe Rogan, you mentioned Jordan Peterson, all yeah. of which I, I read and follow and, and amongst other people, but the three super influential people in my life over the years. Um, and, and there's a host of others. And, and um, on top of that, I'm a avid, avid reader. I know Paul and I talk about reading all the time. He's more into eBooks. I'm still a little more old school into the, you know, pick it up and turn the page kind of book. They're, 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 they're just as good. No matter, one's no better than the other. That's not my point. My point is you do the same thing when you read. You go into someone else's world and you go, wow, look what so-and-so accomplished. You know, you, you, you look at, a, you know, a, a Mark Cuban. I read Mark Cuban's book at one point. Well, Mark Cuban's story isn't, hey, I just, you know, uh, built a, 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 you know, an online business and sold it for a billion dollars and life's been grand ever since nobody's stories like that and you start reading these stories or listening to these people or whatever and you go oh there's a struggle there but it takes commitment it takes sacrifice it takes all these things that that but they're no different than me they're not geniuses they're not these you know superheroes they're just normal human beings like the three of us sitting here they just did it differently and that's another way that i feel very passionate about surrounding yourself with those types of people you're referring to. So I'm glad you brought that up because we have rarely touched on that, but it's super, super valuable to say. So I'm glad you did it. 100%. I think it all stems from belief, right? Belief is the re reason you need to surround yourself with like-minded individuals and people who have achieved that. Because like, there's so many ways to gain belief, right? But if you have, if you don't have belief, then you're just not going to chase it. And the stronger your belief, the 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 more able you are to persist through those tough months. Because let's be real, like like you said, like we've said a bunch of times, it's never going to be like you start a business, your first month you make 5K, second month 10K, third month 100K, you're set. It's never how it works. You're going to have months where you're like not making a profit. Then you're going to start seeing like some growth. And then you're going to be like, oh, great. And then it's going to come back down again. You're going to be like, fuck, what happened? 
And it's, it's just going to be like up and down for a little bit until you hit that spot where it's like starts to go up. And even then you'll have like surprisingly low months. So it's like very unpredictable and having a super strong belief and in, in yourself and in your, in what you're doing, that is going to be able to push you through those unpredictable and tough times. So what, what I like, you have the perspective, well, you and Matt, we all have the same perspective I'm going to talk about in one minute. You're discovering it is a much at a much earlier age than Matt did, and you both discovered it at a much earlier age than I did just being a couple years ago, but happiness is not a destination, right? We talk about this all the time. Happiness is in the pursuit. Happiness is in your why. Happiness is in the meaning. It's the same reason I always stump my, my students that are highly motivated students. Matt comes in the classroom all the time and I say, why do you want to have a good job and make money? And they say, so I can be rich and stop working. But true entrepreneurs and truly happy people never stop working. Like it's, it's, it's in their DNA. It's their process. It's the pursuit that makes them happy, right? Not, not getting somewhere. Matt and I had a, a whole podcast on fire, financial independence and retire early. We agree with the financial independence part you're not going to retire early. If you're financially independent, you, you're not going to retire. You're going to move on to other processes and, and pursuits that make you happy. Right guys. hundred percent. I think a lot of times people like, that's why I don't know. Some people go into a job just for the high pay. So like, Oh, I'm going to do this. Like work super hard for 10 years, like live a miserable life. And then I can retire like free. And it's like, then what are you going to do when you're like 40 and retired? You have like 40 years to do nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just wasted your prime 20 years working like extremely hard. You missed out on relationships. You missed out on like your purpose. And then now you have 40 years to do nothing. Like it doesn't make sense. Like why not build something you actually care about, then get to the point where you don't have to work, but then you choose to like voluntarily. Like that's my goal. Like I want to be a point where I like, I only have to do two, three hours of work a week, but then I still choose to do more anyway. But it's like more projects. Maybe I start a podcast. Maybe I like write a book. Maybe I do this, maybe I do that, but I don't have to. And work when you don't have to do it is always going to be your best work. I, I can't say it any better. You're, you're, you're doing, as far as I'm concerned, that's the exact thing to do is that you build something that then can function without you or at least with very little effort. And yeah. then you can do the things you want to do, which when you've built that thing, it turns out, it's generally that's what you want to continue to do because it matters to you. It's always mattered to you. It, it, it's so important to you. And yeah, maybe I only need to spend a few hours a week or a day or whatever it is to do it. But man, that's where my meaning is that the, my employees are my family, my, you know, and, and then the opportunities that can, that can present themselves off of, off of that, they, they, they never seem to end. And if you don't feel, if you want to, if you want to go spend a month in Rome, Go spend a month in Rome, right? If you want to go, you know, uh, live in Australia for six months, go live in Australia for six months. You've opened doors and opportunities that the best attorney, the highest priced attorney in the world doesn't have because the only way the highest priced attorney makes any money is that if he's in that courtroom or she's in that courtroom. The only, you know, the only way the best sur heart surgeon in the world makes any money is if he's in the he's in surgery operating on someone right they're they're tr and there's those are great pr professions i'm not taking a shot at them all i'm doing is pointing out the difference is they're trading time for money it might be a lot of money and that's great but they're still giving up their most valuable asset in return for it and like you pointed out too often people are making those decisions not because they love it, not because it's their meaning, not because it's their purpose, not because it's their why, because it's the shortest way out of the rat race for them that they've figured out. And then to make matters worse, they have that early retirement and then they go, well, now what do I do? That, that happiness that I, that, that I suspected was going to be there when I didn't have to get up and go to work every day. Well, it's not there because I don't, because I'm, I haven't been doing anything that provides me meaning. I'm, I've, I've been chasing, I've been chasing the wrong thing, and this is what I've been trying to talk to people about for years now about avoidance of chasing the wrong thing, and why this conversation has been so excellent is because at 22 you're already you're chasing the right things, and and the the only thing I want out of this conversation is other people to listen to you and go, 
those are the things I should be chasing, not your business, not that, that attitude, that mindset. And, uh, because it's, it's more powerful than, than the largest bank account in the world. It's worth, it's worth more than any amount of money. So it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's amazing. I, I'm just thrilled we're having the conversation. And, and uh, Paul said you would be great, but he lies a lot. But um, I'm, I'm glad in this case he didn't. Because it's powerful. It's unbelievably powerful. It really is. Gives me goosebumps. Yeah, same here right now. It might be because it's cold in my room, though. <laughs> so, Raj, I, I know we're winding our day down. You're, you're just getting your day started. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got to promise us you'll. We're, we're doing this for the long term. Uh, maybe next time we talk, Matt and I'll be in a studio, right, Matt? Oh, yeah. that would be nice. We're 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 working on things. You know, there. Th th this is the. I, I keep Matt's not a big Twitter guy. I try getting him on it. It's it's just not meant to be. You know. Not uh, yet. Not not I, yet. I, I met so a few interesting guys through through Paul and his network right. through Twitter, obviously including you. And these are the moments I go, hmm, what am I missing there? You know, because it's I've never it, my, my goal hasn't been to make any money off there. Uh, it's it's just, you know, it's been to avoid some of the negativity. But then I meet people like you and I go, man, not, I, I'm avoiding the negativity. But what am I missing? Right. What What's the trade off there? So it's it, it, it gives me pause. It makes me think. I think. um the thing about Twitter, like, which turns people off from it is, like, the mass Twitter, right? It's a bunch of people <clears throat> with nothing to do just trying to start arguments. Like, that's true for the majority of Twitter. But the thing is, like, when on fitness Twitter and self-improvement Twitter, it's complete opposite. And it's a very small percentage of Twitter. But once you, like, follow the right people and then, like, just start to, like, being yourself on your tweets, you accumulate, like, this sort of, like, your timeline isn't any of that negative BS. It's just people, like, sharing their wins, sharing their losses, like, giving value and it's like awesome to see and the thing about twitter is like you get rewarded based on the value you provide especially in the fitness industry it's not like instagram where you have some jack dude on steroids like just taking a shirtless picture gets a bunch of likes promotes a dumb product right it's like if you cannot provide value no you won't get any engagement like you can have 10 followers have an amazing thread and it'll get hundreds of likes so that's a great thing about twitter and it's also the ease of networking like you can network so easily so efficiently that's why I personally love Twitter and think it's by far the best social media platform. And another mm. thing is when you don't have, I like this kind of hypocritical for me to say because I actually do make money off Twitter, but I've noticed that accounts that do not have to make money off Twitter, like they have their set otherwise and they can just be themselves, they tend to perform actually really well. So I think you do you do great on Twitter. Hmm. It, well, that, you know, and, and my experience was just what you're talking about, the negativity and that kind of thing. And, and I, I don't want that in my life. And um, it's getting into that 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 marketplace, if you will, where the positive people are and, and the values get shared and, and those kinds of things that that I uh, that I really need to figure out and get. And, and Paul, I you know, does a great job with it. So I've uh, I've got to start listening to him and, and to get into that because I can't get too much of that. You know, I hate the negative the ne negativity and the negative stuff. And that's what's turned me off from it. But trying to get into that space you're referring to is is how I want to live my life. So um, I gotta I gotta make more of an effort and educate myself there. Yeah, I mean it definitely won't happen like overnight. But I feel like the main things are following like the right people, and then like <clears throat> a lot of people do this. I actually don't, but like a lot of people advocate for blocking people that like put out negativity. I actually get like like haters per se, like every like week a few of them and i actually never block them what i do is i say i comment i reply like thanks buddy like we'll keep that in mind or i just won't reply <laughs> i just think it's like because like people say like yo protect your mental health whatever like block all these haters and i'm like nah i want to train that i want to develop that muscle because i don't want to just be surrounded by people who think i'm great like yo keep doing this great i like hearing someone like talk shit about me say you're dumb you're small like you suck you're ugly like that i feel like that's like dealing with that's a key skill so i have this guy <laughs> who uh, commented on my before and after, and he was like, this is what he said. <laughs> he said, bro, honestly, you don't look that big in your after picture, in quotations. Like, maybe try to gain some mass before trying to inspire people. And I just didn't respond. And what I did was I made a thread about him, and I, like, screenshotted it. And I was like, this is how you should respond to haters. And I talked about, like, yo, like, I didn't, I could have saw this, got pissed, been mad, ruined my day. 
or I could like look at it from like the objective point of view. It's like if you have time to like shit on someone else, like go out of your way to hate on them, like you're miserable. I'm sorry, you're miserable, man. Like, and it's like hate like always stems from envy. So I didn't get mad. I was just like, damn, I feel bad for that guy. So I want to like tell other people about that. I used it to share a lesson. That that's interesting, and 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 you know I do agree with you wholeheartedly. The 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 nastiness and negativity. Uh, there's so much envy out there, and it's masked in so many ways, right? It's masked into into uh, a variety of political ways, or 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 your example there, and and uh, understanding that it's out there. And I love I love how you put it, training that muscle, because uh, you know just to, just to, if you think you're gonna take every piece of negative negativity out of your life, well, you're kidding yourself, right? It's never gonna happen. So you need to understand how to respond to it and, and how to how to internally deal with it. And um, I think that's just a, an extra excellent point as well is, hey, look, negativity is going to be there. You're going to have these things happen. Understand how to deal with it. You, you just can't block your block the negativity out of your life in every way. So um, I think that's a, that's a good point. It's an interesting lesson and, and something uh, to bring up. But I wanted to reiterate, though, how much how, truth I find in the fact that the critic so much criticism and negativity is just built on envy and you know that make you know when you think about it objectively like you say kind of makes you feel bad for people uh more than more than get upset with them yeah i think it's an important for like people who like are listening and like oh maybe i want to start my own online business or do that it's like, you have to expect criticism from even like your friends or like your family like they they're not used to it like it's something out of their like spectrum like they're like oh he's doing something weird something different and then they might get like envious jealous like they might want to say talk you out of it but at the same time you just have to tune that out and what i find best is like don't like try to like start an argument with them don't get like triggered just be like okay cool i'll take that in consideration and then walk away do you like and talk if you need to talk to someone who's like-minded uh talk about them about what you feel but never engage in like a back and forth argument because <clears throat> then you're just giving them what they want. Or and even if, if you get mad, that's even worse. So you're sort of, when you feel like the urge to like respond to criticism, what I say is like take like a five, 10 second break, like breathe and then like assess the situation like objectively. Good advice. It's, it's part of, you know, we say all these cliches all the time. It's part of getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, I'll throw another one. Haters look up, you know, and it, there's, there's usually something they don't like about what you're doing because it's something they wish they were doing. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really what it is. I, I get it with some of my friends being, being the old timer in the group. I'm old enough to be Matt's dad. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not I'm, quite. kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, that's why I love doing this stuff. Just surrounding ourselves with these great people. Raj, tell everybody your, your Twitter handle. Cause, cause I know that's how you get a lot of your client base. For sure. For sure. <clears throat> My Twitter handle is at the coach Raj. And you know, if you're looking for one-on-one -on -one coaching for sure, just like DM me. But even if you're not, you just want to learn a little bit, just like my threads have a good amount of value. So talk about stuff like cardio for weight loss, you know, how to boost your testosterone, like the best uh, muscle split for you, how to choose the best exercises, just things like that. So I'm sure you find a lot of value if you're into fitness or self-improvement at all. It's awesome. really good. Your stuff's good. Jack and Gabe's stuff's good. Not, not to keep plugging them, but it frustrates me because I get my coffee in the morning and I spend about 30 minutes on Twitter, you know, updating groups and tweets and, and adding content. And then I come across your darn fitness stuff and I, I realize there's no excuse not to go do my morning workout now. So I don't know if I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's really a good part of Twitter. Uh, I have my schedule workout, and if I'm feeling not into it, I read that stuff. I'm like, come on, I gotta go do it now. So you're influencing people more than you realize. Appreciate that, man. That means a lot. If I can get one person in the gym, I consider it a job well done. That's awesome. Well, we really enjoyed it tonight, and and we got you on camera saying you'll come back in a little bit. So we expect you back. I'll come back when you guys climb up the ranks to Joe Rogan. And he's like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah, and I, know you're, I know you're a fitness guy, but you mentioned beer earlier. So you do have an occasional drink. 
Oh, yeah, of course. I like to say, like, fitness is not supposed to uh, consume your life. It's supposed to enhance it. And I would never be that guy who's, like, eats chicken, broccoli, rice, like, every meal and, like, brings his Tupperware out to dinner. <laughs> so, like, I can have one drink because I'm on my game. Like, that guy's dumb. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you can have great progress as long as you, like, have a balance. And you're, you have metrics and a system to track your progress. Like, mm-hmm. I track all my lips every single, like, set, reps, and, like, I'm like, I get stronger literally every week. So it's like, as long as I do that, I know I'm building muscle and I get my protein in. So if I'm doing those two things, I can have a drink occasionally. I like what you said. Fitness isn't supposed to consume your life. It's supposed to enhance it. Great. Yeah. We're going to end with that. Thanks for being on, Raj. Awesome. Appreciate you guys for coming on. I mean, for a host, letting me come on. And I'd love to, <laughs> love to yeah, do this no again. Pro- once, for sure. We will for sure. Talk soon. Yeah. See you, man.